Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS on air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel is on special assignment today, and we are delighted to welcome Peaches Hall in as her pinch hitter. Peaches has been on before, does a great job as co-host. She is the executive director at the WellMed and City of San Antonio Senior Center, the Doris Griffin Center, uh, over at Ingram Park Mall on Loop 410. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Oh, it's so good to be here. It's always fun. And one of the issues and topics we're going to take up this first hour uh, deals with uh, something you're very familiar with, uh, running a senior center, dealing with caregivers. They used to run memory centers for patients with Alzheimer's. Uh, the job of a caregiver is never easy. Oh, no. You know, there's several books out there, and, and many of them are about hours that you put in, time you put in, burnout you put in. So our first guest is going to have some interesting uh, answers, questions, all in one package. Well, it's a pleasure to welcome to our Caregiver SOS hotline, Linda Burns, who is in Florida, as we reach out to her, uh, came down there in 2000 from uh, Long Island uh, in the great state of New York, and we're delighted to welcome you on board, Linda. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Yes, you are, and thank you for having me today. Well, we appreciate you being here, and we're going to talk a bit about the two books that uh, you have authored, and uh, we'll deal with that because they all deal with caregiving. But I want to first get a sense of, of your story uh, how you ended up hands-on as a caregiver. How, how did that happen? Um, I moved to Florida in 2000 and uh, finally convinced my mom to move down in 2006. Shortly after she moved down here, she was di- diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. That's a whole book in Good Night and God Bless, my first book, and that was a, a whole journey with my mom, and that was really pretty joyful. Uh, very Some very difficult times, but most of it was pretty joyful. So I wrote a book called Good Night and God Bless about the last 18 months of her life and how we didn't let the cancer kill us, but make our love stronger. And when I was out promoting the book, every single time people came up to me crying saying they needed help for themselves, their spouse, you know, whoever it was. And no one told me about anything when I was on my journey. I didn't even know until after my mother was dead that she had dementia, really. So I didn't want that to happen anymore. So I became a caregiver advocate in the past four years. I facilitated over 1,200 support groups. I do support groups, speaking engagements, workshops for caregivers. Um, I have a website, Linda's Caregiver Connections, and I just want to be the the educator, the resource, and the shoulder for the caregiver. They, well, around town, they call me the gal who cares for the caregivers. Well, talk to me about 2006, and uh, you convinced your mother to come to Florida. At the time, you thought she was in uh, fairly good health. You weren't thinking of yourself as a caregiver as much as, what, getting her away from the cold and snow? Exactly, and just to spend more time with me and her her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren, and just where she would be alive again, because from the time I moved for 2000 2006, I would go back to visit every three months, and my mom was becoming very isolated and living in a big three-story house and only using one room and not having much food in the refrigerator and not really going out anymore. So this way we figured she came down here, and it would be an adventure, and it was not the adventure we expected, but it was an adventure. Now, had your dad passed away, which is why she was living alone? No, my parents had been divorced years ago. My dad just passed away four years ago oh. yesterday. 
I'm sorry. Uh, that's in a whole other caregiving experience. Where you were his caregiver also? Oh, no, just part-time. Um, with my mom, I was the main caregiver. I'm the oldest of four children. My mom hates the heat in Florida, and I asked her at one point after she was living here for a while, uh, Mom, why did you really come to Florida? And she said to me, well, out of all the kids, you make me laugh the most, and I know you'll take care of me. Now, as you described her situation in her home up in uh, New York State, uh, Peach's yeah. mouth to me that what you described really are uh, signs of dementia. Yeah, and I hear it from a lot of families when they say, I'm coming to, to visit you, Mom, or, you know, we, we want to see you, Dad. And they go home, and then they're surprised that there's very little food in the cabinets or the right. food has been left out, and they can't remember if they've just cooked that or it's something they've been picking on or it's been there three or four days. So sometimes there's a lot of confusion, and sometimes it's because the nutrition is suffering. And, and especially if it's long distance, because you'll call up Mom or Dad, and they'll tell you everything's great. They won't tell you... Mom fell down three days ago and her whole leg is bruised so that cat hasn't gone to the bathroom in three days. They don't want to lose their independence. Right. And they don't want to worry their children. Right. Exactly. Especially that generation that we're dealing with now, the generation that was married forever that doesn't want to burden their children. Right, and unfortunately, that's when people are that don't have really good hearts will come in and take advantage of people like that and cut their trees three times a year and, you know, charge right. them to repair Tell the them same things thing they don't need. Over. Yeah, right. absolutely. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Peaches Hall, who is pinch-hitting today for Carol Zerniel, who is on special assignment. Uh, we're talking with Linda Burns, who has a couple of books out that deal in many ways with caregiving. We're going to talk about uh, her second book, which is just out uh, in just a few minutes. But we're talking at the first about how she ends up being a caregiver for her mother uh, beginning in 2006. Mom moves to Florida, where uh, Linda's living. Mom is then uh, diagnosed with uh, stage four colon cancer, which is never very good. Uh, and, and yet, uh, despite the fact that you ended up being a caregiver, did you see yourself in that role? No, I was just a faithful daughter. I didn't know what a caregiver was. If you asked me then what's a caregiver, I would say somebody that works in a hospital or a assisted living facility or something. I wasn't a caregiver. I was just a faithful daughter. And this is what I hear every day. And when I first started this journey, this which made it a little more difficult because you have to educate caregivers on who they are before you can even help them. Right. And sometimes you feel so guilty because you don't know where to go, who to ask, or what to do. Right. How, how did you figure all that out by yourself? I just did the Irish jig. <laughs> I just, you know, I just kept running and moving. And, and, I, and I see caregivers every day. They run around this whole little tornado. I can do it. I can do it. And they're doing it. But maybe very stressfully they're doing it. Um, I, I, in all the support groups that I run, I find caregivers come to the support group, and after their loved one passes, they keep coming back again because uh, they want to share, and, and they just feel like they're part of the group. Yeah. And one of their biggest regrets is that during their caregiving experience, they were too task-orientated, and they didn't spend as much time with their loved one. Right. And what you said in uh, Good Night and God Bless, that uh, this wasn't a story about, oh, poor mom, poor Linda, life's going to heck, you know, I, I don't know what we're going to do. It was a joyous time for you. H how was that possible? My mother was with me every day. And well, I'll tell you one thing, too, and I think this is part where the dementia played in. The doctors had suggested my mom do some chemotherapy, and my one sister's a nurse. She was against it. My other sister, her husband, died at a young age from cancer, and she was against it, but my mother wanted to try it. It's my mother's body. And so we did, like, two rounds of chemo. My mom was out like a light. It was not good. So we decided as a family to stop it. Now, when we stopped it, my mother told everyone she was cured. Now, I don't know if she thought she was cured, she wanted to be cured, or she wanted everybody to think she was cured, but you know what you put in your head. 
So we had a wonderful time. I would take my mother out networking with me. It was hysterical. You know, you go to a networking group and you get to stand up and do your 30-second commercial. And my mom would stand up and say, Hi, my name is Joe. I'm Linda's mother. I just moved here from New York, and I just want to find a man with a lot of money that just wants to be my friend. I like that. <laughs> People would be like, Get online behind me. Yeah, exactly. Well, what was your business um, at the time? What were you doing? I was a party planner and caterer. Well, that business came to the end during that period because you can only do so much. And my the, the economy was tanking at the time. And um, my main focus was just my mother. I knew that I only had a certain amount of time with my mother. Yeah, the one thing you did that I, and I always tell everybody, you know, not everybody can write a book, but everybody can journal. And it's so good because you purge. You put those things down on that paper and, and you feel a little better when you put your head on the pillow. Well, I'll tell you, and that's what healed me or helped heal me. I started writing my book five weeks before my mother passed away. I went to tuck her in one night. She was very ill by this time. And she said to me, good night and God bless, which ah. she said to me a million times before. Right. And I, and I went in the living room. I was like, dear God, just please give me a little longer. I'm not ready. And she looked good the next morning. Mm-hmm. So I started writing, and I wrote through the last five weeks of her life and my grieving process. And then I reconstructed our adventure from the year before from my calendar and my journals. Mm-hmm. So my mom died December 14th, and I finished my book on Mother's Day. Wow. The last line of my book is, Happy Mother's Day, Mama. I hope I always make you proud of me. I'm sure you did. Uh, she loved it that I talk about her every day. Now, as you think about your journey uh, and what you were able to accomplish, uh, what did it teach you about yourself? That I'm for more resilient than I ever expected I was. But I think a lot of it, is, it just reinforced who I was. I've always been a a pretty upbeat person. I've always been a pretty positive person. I've always been a resourceful person. And that was just all put to the test. Well, I would think as a caterer and as a party planner, you'd have to be pretty upbeat. Yeah, I hope so. But I'll tell you, it was funny. One time we took my mom on a cruise, my sister, my daughter, my cousin, and uh, we had a wonderful time. And the last night they they dress you up in like these old-fashioned outfits. And they take all these pictures. They took a picture of my mother with an old-fashioned outfit with, like, a rifle in her hand, just with, like, a growl on her face. And so they printed it out on a poster, and it said, Wanted, Million Dollar Reward. That's funny. So I have, a, I have a greeting card company, and I took that photo, and I downloaded it on, like, 50 cards, and we sent it to everybody up north. Huh. And it said in the card, Dear Mary, got in a little trouble in Mexico. Please pray for me. Love, Joe. That, and the coolest thing was everyone called, but nobody talked about cancer. Nobody talked about sickness. Everybody laughed. Yeah. That was your mom, Joe McCauley. Yeah. Interesting. It's hard that people mm-hmm. won't talk about that. Um, I think probably by you writing this down, you talking and having the caregiving um, classes and seminars that you do, it helps people talk about dementia, about cancer, about dying. Now, as yeah, your mother's... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, your caregiving experience can be the most horrific experience in your life, or it can be close to beautiful, depending on how you handle it. Mm-hmm. And if you know about resources, and if you have education. But you didn't know about any of that when you began that journey. No, I didn't, but I'm a fast learner. <laughs> I'll bet. So, <laughs> so does your book um, highlight about where they begin, what they start doing, what they should be moving and where they're guided well, to? Well, how my second book, my, so my first book, Good Night and God Bless, is all from my heart about my mom and about caregiving, but it's just our story. What happened is after running all those support groups and doing workshops, people would be waiting online to ask me questions. Caregivers don't have time to wait online to ask questions. They're lucky they got out of the house to hear me come speak. Amen. So I decided to write this book, Connecting Caregivers, and I wrote it together with 18 professionals. So there's a chapter on dementia, there's a chapter on VA benefits, there's a chapter on definitions, on, on caregiving, on living facilities. 
And then I follow every other chapter with a heartfelt story, something good that happened in a support group. Now hold that thought. We're going to come come right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Got to do a little business at our end. We're talking with Linda Burns, who is the author of Good Night and God Bless and her newer book, uh, Connecting Caregivers, Answers to the Questions You Didn't Know You Needed to Ask. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Peaches Hall. Peaches filling in for Carol Zernail on Caregiver SOS On Air. We're on 930 AM, The Answer. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it, with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio and get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikoff, we come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And this show follows WellMed Radio. We air at 6 p.m. Sunday afternoons. We're Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Along with Peaches Hall, Peaches is pinch-hitting for Carol Zerniel today. Peaches is the executive director of the Doris Griffin Senior Center over on uh, Loop 410 at Ingram Park Mall. She and her previous life in Florida, in fact, where our guest is uh, hanging out, uh, ran a memory uh, facility and has a tremendous amount of experience with both caregiving and is also on the side a fitness instructor at the Doris Griffin Senior Center. I have seen peaches in action. (laughs) You do a really good job. (laughs) Thank you. And Linda, uh, who uh, is our very special guest today, Linda Burns, author of Good Night and God Bless and Connecting Caregivers. Uh, That is her second book. We're talking with her on our Caregiver SOS On Air Hotline. Uh, As you talk about uh, your newer book and you broke the chapters down uh, into uh, subjects that each caregiver uh, needs to deal with, and you got uh, professionals in the field uh, to write about uh, that particular topic. How did you find the professionals? Well, um, there are a lot of seniors in Pinellas County. In fact, they say there are more seniors in Pinellas County per square inch than anywhere in the United States. Um, and I belong to some associations that are living for seniors, and I've always been a big networker. So over the years, I've built relationships with all different people and all different walks of senior, you know, senior living. And I am just so grateful that I have people that I can refer to. I'm so grateful that in this area, we have a lot of education and people that want to reach out to caregivers. And we were talking about, uh, maybe you can go over it again, the chapters in this new book, because they really deal with the hot topics caregivers uh, have to face. Yeah, so 18 professionals wrote the book with me. And for instance, there's a there's a chapter on uh, even reverse mortgages. There's a chapter on VA benefits. There's a chapter on um, what all the caregiving terms are. All of a sudden you go to the hospital and they start show- throwing all these letters out you- at you and you don't even know what they're talking about. Um, how to engage your loved one. They, it, you know, taking care of, of a senior is not all just about medical. And that's so much what people just focus on. Um, there's a lot of other things we have to look at. You know, it, it, my purpose, as I said earlier, is to be the educator, the resource, and the shoulder for the caregivers. But now my second purpose 
is to help them find purpose for their loved one if possible. Um, so if I can give you an example, a woman came into my support group and said, ever since my mom passed away, my dad just sits in a chair, Linda. They were married for 62 years. He doesn't know what to do with himself. They did everything together. She said, I took him to the doctor, and the doctor gave him an antidepressant, and he's still just sitting in a chair, Linda. So I said to her, what is something he used to do when he was younger? And she said he used to build these big model ships with all these little pieces and everything. And I said, can he still do that? And she said, no, his hands are kind of arthritic. I said, you want to try an experiment? She said, I'll try anything. I said, go to the craft store. They have these wooden cars that kids put together. There's probably like eight big pieces. I said, I know a nursery school that could use some of those. Buy a dozen and bring them home to Dad and ask him if there's any chance he could paint them and put them together for this nursery school. Well, he's now on his 17th dozen, and he's off his antidepressants. Yeah, purpose is amazing. We see that at the center. We have people that come in, and at times they are um, just experiencing a, a, a death from a loved one, and it's it's heartbreaking. But it also does yeah. come in with some depression. It comes in with you know not eating correctly. So we see them make new friends because many times their friends have passed. Their family lives far away. So, yeah, that's a, that's an important thing. The other important chapter would be taking care of yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, I I say that caregivers have the triple-A dilemma. Mm. They don't ask for help. They don't accept help, and they don't acknowledge themselves. Right. And I think many times that happens is, you know, your friend from church or, or your neighbor or whatever comes over and says, is there anything I can do for you? And every time the caregiver says, no, I'm okay. Yeah. No, I'm okay. Yeah. Which is so far from being okay. And I think part of the reason they say that is because they can't even think straight. Like, what could you help me with? Like, are are you going to feed mom? Are you going to bathe them or or whatever? So I suggest to caregivers is to take some time to sit down and write a list of some things you can't accept help with. Right. And then when your neighbor comes over, whoever, you pull out the list. And, and say anything on this list, and or maybe could, you could mow my lawn. And the neighbor says, that's great, I've been asking you for nine months. Yeah, and the other thing is sometimes they don't even know that there is a thing called respite, that some of the memory care communities you can take mom or dad or your husband, and you can keep them there for one day so you can get your shopping or your cleaning done or take a nap or just do something you want to do. Maybe visit your children. Fi- I didn't find out what respite care was till I was in my bereavement group. Right. And I remember I wanted to go to a wedding really bad one time. I had no one to be with my mom, and I just I, I didn't know. I right. just didn't know. Yeah. And there's professional you know, it, caregivers. And, and what you need to do is make sure you're doing your homework, because not all caregivers are the same. So right. make sure you, you really search, look, talk to different people. You know, it is, it's just what you're doing. It's networking. So, Linda, yeah, you, didn't, and, and you, you, weren't able to, you weren't able to go to the wedding, I guess. No, I, didn't, I wasn't able to go to the wedding. Wow. Well, I, I have to tell you, though, one time I spoke and I was talking about that caregiver dilemma and a, a woman emailed me and she said, I thought about what you said, Linda, and uh, when I went home, I made my list. I only put one thing on my list, and if anyone asks if they can help me, I say, if you can come over any afternoon between 2 and 4 and let me take a nap, that would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. And her next line was, and I'm pleased as punch to let you know that I'm now napping seven days a week and my <laughs> husband is getting seven different visitors that had stopped coming. Oh, great. That's interesting. That had stopped coming because uh, if you keep saying I don't need help, people just stop coming over. And if you don't give them, they're in your space. Yeah, and they don't feel like they know what to do with somebody that has an illness or dementia. But if you give them some direction, they're happy to help. Otherwise, they're just sitting there feeling uncomfortable, and they do stop visiting. Exactly. Exactly. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was right. going to say, one as you take... a woman said to... All right, you go. You go. <laughs> All right, one time a woman said to me she wanted to... Okay, I'll go. With okay, her I'm just too. kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> one day a woman said to me she had just moved to Florida. Her mom had passed away and she was taking care of her dad with Alzheimer's. She wanted to make a special birthday for him. To make a long story short, I had said to her, take out the photo albums. And she said to me, Linda, he won't know anyone in the photo albums. I said, I don't care. Take them out anyway. She called me a few days after his birthday. said everything went really great. And she said, I told you, Linda, he wouldn't know anybody in the, in the pictures. But guess what? He knew every car. Hmm. So it was a 1940 Chevy or, you know, whatever. And as she said it to me, she said, I don't even know if he was telling me the truth. Who cares? Yeah. You just wanted to have a delightful afternoon with Dad, and you and did. you're engaged. Yeah, right. And who as cares I, right or wrong? As many who are caring for folks uh, with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia discover, music is also another connector. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. there's a couple of chapters. There's a great music story chapter in my book. You guys will have to read. Um, it, so many different things. You know, I had a gentleman call me a few months ago and said to me, "He's he's been coming to a support group for two years." His wife's in a facility. She has Alzheimer's. And he said to me, it's over. And I thought she had passed away. And he said, no, I went to visit her yesterday. And she said, I don't know you. I don't like you. Don't ever come back here again. And she said, I thought he said, I thought she was having a bad day. And I went back the next day, and she said the same thing. And the staff said, I don't know if you should come back, or at least not right now. And he, we had lunch. I mean, what could I really do for him? Well, he calls me like three weeks later and says, I have the greatest news in the world. And I said, what? He said, I've been laying in bed every night, Linda. I can't sleep trying to figure out a solution. He said, and I kept hearing your voice in my head saying, you need to go into her world. She can't come into yours. You need to go into her world. This man has a full head of white hair, and the next morning he went to the salon and had his hair dyed black and cut into a crew cut like he used to wear it when they were younger. Hmm. He went out and wore jeans he hasn't worn in 50 years, and he always wore a white T-shirt when they were younger. He put that on, and he found a surface cross that she gave him when they were 22 years old. And he went to visit her, and he said, guess what? Now I'm her boyfriend. Mm. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. And what a risk he took. He did, but uh, he was at wit's end uh, fr- from his standpoint. That's pretty cool right. that he thought of that. He joined her journey. It's so cool. Yeah, what uh, Peaches just said, he joined her journey. Yeah. He said to me, I put the same moves on her I did when she was 18. <laughs> 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 And he looks cute as heck. Yeah, we, yeah. Used, we used to do those things that uh, when I was doing the memory care, and we'd let them have a birthday. And I asked uh, one of the gentlemen, he, I said, "What what was it you'd really like?" And he said, "You know, I've never, I've never had a girlfriend that was a nurse." And so we got his wife a nurse outfit and sent her in for his birthday. He was thrilled. That's cool. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah, he did too. <laughs> And you have to keep your sense of humor on your caregiving journey. Because yes, exactly. I'll tell you, if caregivers just sat down and look at some of the things they do themselves, they're like, what am I, nuts? She's Linda Burns. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Peaches Hall, who is filling in for Carol Zerniel today. Carol on special assignment. Uh, we're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer on Caregiver SOS On Air, talking with Linda about the caregiving journey and her latest book, Connecting Caregivers, Answers to the Questions You Didn't Know You Needed to Ask. And that is so true. That's one of those great subtitles on a book where you say, well, there's got to be a million books like that because it's so obvious you don't know anything about caregiving. Right. And the good thing about my book is chapter by chapter. So you can just read one chapter at a time. Mm-hmm. I, I find many people write books for caregivers, and they're so thick and they're so dense that the caregiver can't even get into it. Yeah, you get overwhelmed. The last thing you need is one more thing on your plate. 
Right. Short, simple, sweet. Here's the information. Here's where you can get more if you need it. Yeah, and then you can look it up as you go. Okay, well, this time I need, exactly. you know, I need these services. I need this idea, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Now, as you think about, and uh, as you pointed out, uh, the county you live in, Florida, uh, there are more seniors per square inch than anywhere else in the United States of America. <laughs> uh, we are, according to most statisticians, going to be running out of caregivers. There just aren't going to yeah. be enough spouses, kids, aunts, uncles, cousins, etc., uh, to do the caregiving. What's the situation right. like where you live? It, there are some some of those problems here, not as much as maybe in some areas. But, you know, I always say to my girlfriends, a couple of my girlfriends, their husbands are deceased. My husband is ill at the time right now, too. And it's probably going to be us together. I'm like, well, you know, we need to buy like a five-bedroom house on the Gulf. <laughs> and each one of us has a bedroom, and then we have one bedroom for the nurse or the CNA or whatever we need because we need to figure out some stuff here. Yeah. It's great to do it with friends. Yeah, it's People great to you do it with friends. And, Absolutely. What is and, your... and even just the financial outlook with it. No. Oh. Yeah, that's another that's another story. Well, before we went on the air, Peaches was showing me some information about uh, some ideas for uh, both uh, veteran housing and senior housing, uh, tiny houses grouped in a community uh, where they have all the services provided. Uh, what you're describing as a, as a group home would work just as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, We're going to have to figure out some different things. I mean, there are places where they have dormitories where college students and seniors are living together. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of alternatives that we can, and we just like you say, you get so backed up thinking about things that you don't think forward. And there's a lot of options out there. You know, a residential care home, many times those are as good, if not better, than a large community. The smaller the yeah. community, the better they are, the less stimulation. All right, stay so, with us a minute. And, and, We're going to come right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Talking with Linda Burns. Uh, who is the author of a couple of very interesting books targeting caregiving. I'm Ron Aaron. Peaches Hall is pinch-hitting for Carol Zerniel today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Where do you find us? 9.30 a.m. The Answer. We are chugging right along here on Caregiver SOS On Air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Peaches Hall, and we're talking with Linda Burns, who is an author, a national speaker on caregiving advocacy. And we're talking with her about uh, some of the things she discovered on her caregiving journey and the work she does in support groups for caregivers. Uh, Linda, as you listen to uh, folks who are seeking your help, as you're listening to uh, people who are struggling with caregiving, uh, there must be some common themes that come up. Is caregiver guilt, which is a big thing because everybody's not sure, am I doing the best job? Am I doing everything I can do? And that's what's the great thing is you can get into a support group. Because when you get in a support group, you find out you're not alone and you're not the only one going through this and you're not the only one that has challenges. And you'll find tips and ideas in a caregiver support group you're not going to find in any book or anywhere else. And I think that's so important. I watch people come into a caregiver support group for their very first time Many times they're just weeping, and as the meeting goes on, you just can see them relax. You can see them start to breathe again. Yeah, we have a caregiver group that meets at uh, at our center, and it's amazing. You can just you feel them wrap their arms around everybody. They really do comfort. 
And the yeah. other thing WellMed uh, Charitable Foundation offers is a caregiver teleconnection mm-hmm. program, uh, which is a free service. All you need is a telephone, and you can connect. And there are a weekly and sometimes biweekly uh, one-hour topics, and there's some shorter lunch hour programs. Uh, you just go to uh, caregivertelekinection.org or caregiversos.org, and you can find out about those. So it's a uh, support group on the phone, which uh, can reach anywhere, and that uh, provides a similar kind of service. Uh, being face-to-face, however, uh, has to help a whole lot of folks. If they're in your support group, they're looking at each other, right? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and there's nothing like the power of touch. Right. You know, a hug or whatever. But but if you can't get out of the house, then you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Online is great. Now, I'm, great. I'm glad you just told me about that. I'll put that on my website. Yeah, and the um, other because- thing is to also know that there's more than one kind of support that's necessary. You know, there's there's support for grief, for Alzheimer's, for cancer, right. for depression, for you know some people have just for you know different things. And so find that specific care group that really meets the needs you have. That's right. And find the one that has the, the right I say I have a lot of groups and they all have a different flavor. Mhm. Yeah. And you have to see what flavor works for you. Yes. Absolutely. As you take a look at uh, the, the growing need. You're in a growth industry. Uh, as you uh, look at the numbers of people who are providing care, the numbers of people who are the recipients of care, uh, for people who don't live uh, where you are down in Florida, where can they look for help? Well, there's a lot of places you can look on help for help online, but also my book, Connecting Carriers, is not just for Florida. It's for the entire United States. No, I meant your support groups. I know the books are for uh, oh, a national groups. audience. Just go do a Google search or contact your local Alzheimer's Association. Or your church. Or, yeah, churches a lot, um, senior centers, mm-hmm. and, and some of the senior communities. Mm-hmm. And then part of the challenge is getting back to the uh, three A's of caregiving. They don't want to reach out and don't want to ask for help. You know, I had a group of women that started coming to this one. Uh, at, it was like at a a senior center kind of place, not a senior center, or a rec center maybe. And uh, some of them couldn't come uh, because they had no one to take care of their loved one. Well, we ended up moving that group. A home health care company sponsors that group for me. And we ended up moving that group to where they live in their community, in their clubhouse. That's great. Now they can come to the support group. We also have someone from the home health care company that can take care of their loved one in another room in the clubhouse while we're having our meeting. That's great. So we just had to figure it out. Like everything, we just got to figure it out. And if you keep looking and you keep asking questions, you'll find the answers. Yeah. I think people, they get tired of hearing that that's all you can do. There's nothing else for you. So they give up. But they just have to know that there is there are a lot of answers out there. There are, and there's plenty you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, I would think there's because of, you, you know, with your experience as a party planner and a caterer, what you spent all your days doing was solving problems. Well, kind of. That wasn't my whole experience. I, I used to be in the business world. So, you know, you add up all this information together, uh, dealing with people, dealing. I, I, you know, in my earlier careers, I was a, a personnel director of a large company. I was the chief financial officer for Brightly Watches. I've done a lot of things. So it, it's all about people. It's all about people. You know, I say all the time, we're all the same schmoes. We we want our health, or a roof over our head. We want to be loved. We want, you know, food on the table. We may have different hobbies or ideas or interests, but when you boil down to it, we're exactly the same. Yeah, but I think, Linda, the difference is you can punt and you don't take no. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I sense that because there's probably nothing you haven't tried that, or you're willing to try anything. Yeah, that makes a difference. You know, it's something so simple. A woman came into my group one day and she said to me, her companion, uh, she was in an apartment, her companion was in an assisted living place, and he fell down, and he broke his shoulder, and, and now her, her social life is ruined. And she's so angry. She was just so angry, and, and she has to go over there every day, and he keeps his place a mess, and she has to take care of him. And she really doesn't have to, but she chooses to. And she said, he keeps spilling his chocolate milk on the rug every day, Linda. I have to get down on my hands and knees, or I have to call the carpet cleaner guy. And this woman's 88. And I said to him, only give him a cup with a lid on it. And she said, what? Yeah. That's I easy. said, a cup with a lid on. She said, like, for McDonald's? I yes. said, no, they're really nice. Yeah, I said, but they're really nice ones at the stores, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond or whatever. Said, okay, I'll try it. Yeah. A grown-up so sippy cup. She, <laughs> yeah, but she didn't, she's 88. She didn't know. She yeah. just didn't know. She doesn't have grandchildren or anything like that. Well, mm-hmm. like two weeks later, she comes to another one of my support groups, and she walks in. She's like, you're the queen. Yeah. Because I told her to put a lid on it. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) You solved a problem. And she should have got two, one for her and one for him. (laughs) Yeah. I think she has like six now. Good, good, (laughs) good. I think it's interesting that he's drinking chocolate milk. (laughs) (laughs) Each his own. Well, of course. Uh, By the way, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Linda Burns, who is uh, an author and a uh, speaker on caregiving and other issues involving caregiving advocacy. She's down in Florida. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Peaches Hall, who is filling in for Carol Zerniel today on Caregiver SOS On Air. Podcasts of all of our shows are available, by the way. Uh, You can uh, uh, find those easy enough. Just go to Caregiver SOS On Air, uh, Caregiver SOS On Air, or CaregiverSOS.org, and you will find a link to our podcast. You hear us at 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Uh, Linda, as you think about the the work that you've been doing, uh, you obviously have uh, embraced uh, a a life now for your third, fourth, fifth career, right? This is uh, reinventing yourself. This is the last one, believe me. Well, you know, don't say never. I never say never, but I'm 63 years old, and I don't think I'm going to go out of business in this area. No, there's always a need for information and help with caregiving. That is for sure. Right. And and even as we were speaking earlier at one time we, in the conversation, we were talking about seniors getting scammed. That's another thing I do. I go out and I do seminars on, on senior scams. Because mm-hmm. seniors are getting scammed every day. Every day. There was a senior the police department called and asked me to help them about eight months ago because an 86-year-old man and his 84-year-old wife lost their home to a scammer. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we heard a story the other day here in San Antonio. A friend of ours... Uh, uh, a mother, a friend of her mother's, was uh, had a problem. We had a big hailstorm here last uh, April, April twelfth, and there was a lot of roof damage. And the minute there's damage in a community, oh, yeah. uh, unscrupulous roofers come in. There's some great roofing companies, uh, and, and you know the old story: there's no such thing as a free lunch. But they come in and they promise you the moon, uh, and, and then people end up, and it's a huge mistake, uh, paying up front. Uh, where they say, well, you know, we right. really uh, need to buy the supplies, and this will keep your costs down, et cetera, and then they never do the roof, and they're gone. This happened to yeah. her uh, her friend's aging relatives. Yeah. Well, a few months ago, somebody in my support group, they went away for a week. They came back. Mom and Dad had a whole new air conditioning system put in their house. The air conditioner they had in there was only a year old. There was nothing wrong with the air conditioner. Yeah, we've had people in um, memory care, and they get online because they still have the wherewithal to phone, call a car dealership and they'll deliver them a car right to the 
memory care community. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it was crazy. No soul, no soul. No, I think you... Yeah. Did you not know where you were delivering the car? Yeah. <laughs> was that yeah. not a clue? <laughs> but as long as they get their money, it that's doesn't exactly matter. right. Well, exactly. that's just wrong. That's terrible. Yeah. Uh, as you look at uh, the numbers of seniors in Florida, you really have an opportunity to do breakthrough kinds of programs that can be models for other communities around this country. Are you seeing that happen? Well, the town that I live in, Seminole, as of six months ago, we became the first dementia-friendly city in Florida. What does that mean? Um, well, the first thing we did, we found out that a lot of first responders would be responding to people with Alzheimer's and dementia and Baker-acting them. Um, I don't know if they use that same term. No, we, in, in we don't Baker state. here. What does that mean? Okay. They'll take them away for three days for psychiatric evaluation or for their own safety or whatever, but... That's not the problem. The problem is they have Alzheimer's and dementia, and they're agitated or whatever. And now you took them and locked them up for three days. Now they're really going to be agitated. So we got together with the USF Bird Institute in Tampa, which is one of the largest studies of Alzheimer's, and created a program. And they came in and retrained all our first responders, and they will continue that training program. So those numbers have dropped dramatically. And then uh, 40 volunteers went out to the community to different businesses to give them education about Alzheimer's. So, for instance, some of the uh, restaurants now are having dementia-friendly areas in their restaurants. So the, the tablecloths there are purple. There's nothing on the table for distraction. There's plenty of room to move around. It's close to the bathroom. It's not noisy um, so that we can still live, so that the caregivers can still go out to dinner with their loved one. And it's going to be okay if their loved one spills something. It's going to be okay if their loved one goes into the men's room four times. Or eats with their fingers, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Right. Or just wants ice cream for dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got little and kids. They love wonderful. ice cream for dinner. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. A new, they're building a new park right here on the water, and they're going to have um, um, dementia-friendly swings, like like swings for adults. You know, adult-sized swings that are comfortable for them to swing in and, and things that just to go out and enjoy. There's a wonderful park. I just park. think that's so cool. There's a great park here in, in San Antonio, Morgan's Wonderland, mm. uh, which started by Gordon Hartman, a local developer. His daughter uh, was born with a congenital mental retardation, uh, and he built a park that is uh, designed to accommodate uh, everybody, whether you're disabled or not, they have swings that will accommodate wheelchairs, for example. They have merry-go-rounds, merry-go-rounds where you can get a wheelchair or a walker or what have you on there so that kids who in the past have not been able to enjoy, uh, whether they were going to Coney Island or uh, uh, Six Flags around the country, uh, they weren't able to accommodate uh, those kids on those rides. Now at Morgan's Wonderland, you can. And what I hear you saying is you're going to be building a park like that, not necessarily an amusement park, uh, but in your community. That's cool. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah it's and, a you know, very good thing. Now the, tell us, we are flat out of time. Tell us uh, where we can get a hold of uh, your books. Um, it's on Amazon. It's on Kindle, Barnes & Nobles. Um, or you can go to my website, which is Linda's Caregiver connections or even shorter it's probably easier just go to linda burhans that's l-i-n-d-a b-u-r-h-a-n-s at a-o-l uh dot com yeah cool hey thanks mm-hmm. i appreciate now, you linda coming on com. just go to that it'll bring right. you right to the site Thank you very much. You take care. Bye-bye. Have a delicious day. God bless. (laughs) You too. Bye-bye. Coming up next, we're going to take 10 right here 
9.30 a.m. The Answer. Ron Aaron along with Peaches Hall filling in for Carol Zerniel. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. You name a disease, and we've covered it, with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio and get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikoff. We come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. We are rolling right along on Caregiver SOS On Air. We shift gears and flip to Take 10, which follows each of our Caregiver SOS On Air programs. I'm Ron Aaron. Joining us on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline, Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known psychotherapist, a specialist in addictions and deals with caregiving as well, and Carol Zerniel, our co-host here on Caregiver SOS On Air. And you've got a topic dealing with depression. Well, this came out of the New York Times. It was a headline that caught my eye that said, depression is poorly diagnosed and often goes untreated. And we do talk about depression from time to time. We've talked about it on the past on the show, but I don't, you know, I think it's important for everyone, every, everyone, everyone, <laughs> that to, <wascally> <laughs> <wabbit>. <laughs> everyone to understand that uh, what depression is, what it isn't, and the, you know, that how detrimental it can be if left untreated. Um, and Jamie, this is, is right in the middle of, of your specialty. So why is it that depression is poorly diagnosed and why does it go untreated? Well, first of all, I don't want to get too deep into the psychosocial nature and the sociological issues around mental illness and shame and stigma and how it has become somewhat of a, you know, a concept that's detached from our health care. But you know, sadness is something that we all experience, Carol, and it's a normal reaction. You know, to, to difficult times, and, and usually it does pass with time. I mean, we all have this sort of feeling that, you know, we have ups and downs in life. Uh, but when a person has the, the depression, it interferes with their, their entire life, uh, daily functioning. Uh, it causes pain for people, and, and, you know, it's a real illness. And I think that's the most difficult thing for usually the patient. Uh, certainly psychiatrists understand this and, and neurologists and good physicians that this is a a real illness, but, you know, it's not a sign of a person's weakness or character flaw. So what we've done, and I think a short-shrifted depression as opposed to heart conditions or kidney or endocrine, you know, or you name it, infectious disease issues, we've not seen it in the medical light. Um, and so signs and symptoms are popping up all around us, and we, we really need to understand it better. Now, speaking of understanding it, if you could give us the 411 on what is depression. Well, I guess on the symptomatic place, Ron, it's, it's, let's say you're feeling sad and anxious or have an empty mood. Uh, that could be a situational depression, something that when you say situational, obviously it means it's, a, it's, exa- it's exacerbated, uh, a condition that's already there. Feelings of hopelessness, you know, pessimism, guilt, worthlessness, helplessness. When these issues, you know, 
continue for uh, at least two weeks or greater, and that is what we say in the DSM-5 is the, the clinical criteria for assessment and evaluation. When these loss of interest and, and pleasure in life and decreased energy and sleep patterns are in the disarray, this is when we really need to go get the proper assessment and evaluation. And again, all too often we seem to be doing that sometimes with our, with our primary care physician instead of a, a well-trained psychiatrist. DSM-5 is what? Well, that's called the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Psychology. It's how we actually code disorders and, and clinical issues, uh, much like the CPT codes. But this is how we, we describe to mostly insurance industry, if you will, and, and uh, you know medical necessity in our world, psychological necessity. Well, you know, depression is important for caregivers to know about because it often goes hand in hand with a chronic illness. We know that what we call comorbidity, both depression and diabetes, having depression and Alzheimer's, having depression and cancer, that depression, you know, really is, uh, you know, a companion of so many chronic illnesses. And we treat the chronic illness, but we're not doing anything for the depression. And what the New York Times is saying is that of those, even when they diagnose depression, only about 28% of the people get any treatment at all, which means the vast majority of people aren't getting anything for their depression that goes along with everything else. And that's a huge shame because depression, even the most severe cases, Carol, uh, is extraordinarily treatable. I mean, we've come a long way in the world of psychopharmacology and therapy and understanding the biopsychosocial nature of, of depression. Um, you know, most adults, you know, see improvement in their, in their symptoms when they use an antidepressant medication. It, it should not be looked at as something that alters a person's state of consciousness. Medication should be looked at as something that replaces the serotonin, which, you know, the neurotransmitter, the it, you know, issues like, I don't get too deep into it, like GABA and norepinephrine or epinephrine in our brains. That's what the medication does. It just picks up where... Uh, our body has a deficit. Well, I can remember we applied for a grant to look at what just primary care physicians could do in addressing depression because it is so prevalent, um, particularly in the elderly population. And at WellMed, we see mostly older patients. Um, And the uh, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, that had the grant, the reviewer came back to us and said, well, you know, that's really not interesting enough to study. Um, you know, we needed something that was sexy or something more interesting, some good multiple personality disorder, schizophrenia, you know, something with a good big name that you could, that was really affects a small number of people. Tiny number. A, as opposed to the large population of people that we see that have depression. So, you know, when I when I think about it, that that's a huge problem um, within our government that's supposedly looking out for the health care of folks that they're not recognizing depression as something that is, you know, should be looked at more closely. Hold that thought, Dr. Jamie. Let me remind folks who've just joined us, you're listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS on air on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Dr. Jamie Heisman, Ron Aaron, and Carol Zerniel are with you. Now, Jamie. No, it's sad to say, you know, hear what you're saying, which is totally true. A major depressive disorder, I think it's the most common mental disorder in the United States, literally. I mean, it's... And people just do not want to feel alone. Uh, the issues of chronic illness, which, you know, and, 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 and how it disconnects us from society. One take 10 that we recently did, 
um, it, it really is it's a difficult thing to, to, to not be treated, not to be assessed and evaluated, and, and not to get the proper, you know, psychopharmacological remedy. Living with depression is overwhelming. And what you said with the, the issues of comorbidity, we, we don't know which comes first, but we feel much more comfortable in treating the medical issue and then just leaving the psychological issue for the family, friends, if you will, and people around them to deal with. Because they don't see depression as a brain disease. They don't. And yet, you know, if you're really uh, strong in, in what you do, and I think in WellMed and other, obviously, good medical delivery systems that understand that depression can put somebody right into the hospital um, and, and, or, and the anxiety associated with the depression, we're now looking at it closer and, and closer. And, and to your point, Carol, you know, you're right. Uh, I don't know why they didn't think it was sexy enough. It kind of like our, our current elections, I guess, that you have to do things so over the top to get noticed. Um, but primary care doctors should be trained very extensively by psychiatrists to understand, you know, depression, because that's going to be the first doorway somebody will go through. So what is it going to take to move, to get rid of the stigma associated with mental illness? Why is it we're still, you know, disassociating the head with the rest of our body when it comes to physical health? Because obviously our brains are kind of important in regard to our physical health. Well, I hope it doesn't take the same celebrity, you know, sort of red carpet stuff where we have to come out with a Ronald Reagan and Alzheimer's or Patty Duke and bipolar. I, that's extraordinarily helpful. Don't get me wrong. It normalizes in people's minds that, you know, depression is, is a part of somebody's life. Um, but I think that we really have to start doing what you're saying, the, the non-sexy programs, to understand the persistency of depression in society, and especially in our senior population. I think we need to do really concerted studies uh, in primary care environments, if you will, uh, of exactly how this reduces costs, creates better quality of life for the person, and actually better quality of you know, delivery of care. It just has to be normalized. And I think to do that, obviously, there's a lot of public service announcements that need to occur and a lot of organizations that need to get involved. Uh, the National Alliance of the Mentally Ill, uh, I've been you know, part of that organization for almost 35 years, is, is one great one. There's mental health associations. But they can't do it in their own silos. They do need other groups to bring them into the mainstream. Well, on the good news front, there are medical groups like WellMed who are making depression screening part of the annual exam so that exactly. we do get a baseline. We can tell if someone's getting worse. And if somebody does score poorly, they can get referred for assistance. We've got to stop you both right there. Take 10 on Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zorniel. We appreciate you joining us. Remember, podcasts of all of our shows are available, including Take 10, which can be a standalone podcast as well. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer. It's hard to believe, but this all began in the year 2010. Has it really been that long that we've Dr. been together? Dr. Robin Eikhoff, Ron Aaron, WellMed Radio. What a terrific ride it's been. And since then, and continuing, we have talked about everything. We've talked about medical issues, we've talked about legal issues, end-of-life issues, and the list goes on. 
you name a disease, and we've covered it uh, with answers for people who have it, aimed primarily at seniors and their loved ones. Seniors and caregivers and grandchildren and on and on. So why do you like doing radio? Well, I love spending time with you, Ron. Oh, thank you. That's one of my favorite parts. Well, I appreciate it. But that. I like educating, and I like educating patients and family members. There's so many things that we can do with this outreach. So listen to WellMed Radio and get healthy. Ron Aaron, Dr. Robin Eikoff, we come to you Sunday afternoons at 5 p.m. on 930 AM, The Answer.